So you're probably wondering where I've been the last couple months. And the last time I was on was January 6th, so about two months ago. And it was one of my favorite shows that I've ever done. We had Madeline Smithberg on. She was the co-creator and executive producer of The Daily Show. She was a producer for David Letterman, and she's using StreamYard to host her own show, to host her own uh, cooking show where she's now moving in front of the camera and she's got a team helping her, but she's using StreamYard, doing a multi-camera, and it was just a really fun interview. She's got, she's got a great sense of humor, a lot of good stories. We talked about some of her experiences in TV, but also how she's going about using StreamYard to do her broadcast. And so that was my last show. That was January 6th. The next morning, uh, I got up and I fell in my home and I broke my shoulder. So I've been recovering and rehabbing. But here's the here's the weird thing. That morning, um, while I'm finding out for sure what the diagnosis is, I start getting messages. And the messages were... <laughs> about the fact that StreamYard had been acquired by Hoppin. And Hoppin is an event company. It's a company that uh, people go to to monetize events, to have a lot of different options and how they put on events. You can have an expo. You can have multiple rooms. You can have breakout rooms. You can facilitate networking. And it's a fast-growing uh, fast growing product, really. And, and virtual events, of course, are are hot right now. So... Uh, that was all going down, uh, you know, right when I was finding out that I broke my shoulder. Actually, I knew instantly because I had broken one on the other side seven years ago. So actually, I knew instantly. Uh, I knew before the doctor knew. So, uh, But point being, uh, this is a huge change, and yet it's not a change at all. Um, so the huge change is that StreamYard is now part of the Hoppin family, and it's going to be the engine that drives the live streaming at Hoppin Live events. But if you're a StreamYard user and you're on the basic plan, the pro plan, the free plan, life continues. You're paying the same amount. You have the same service. Uh, Gage and Dan, the co-founders, are still running StreamYard. So not a lot uh, changes in that aspect, and I'm excited to be back here continuing with the show. And I'm just wondering, because I'm, I'm looking forward myself to digging into Hopin and, and trying it out and playing around with the different features, is anybody using Hopin yet? Is anybody hosting events on Hopin? Have you tried it out? Have you signed up for an account? Would love to hear if uh, some of our StreamYard users are actually using hop in so uh that's probably the biggest thing going on we can get to uh other news items as well but that's certainly uh the big thing that's happened i'm ross brand the show is Streamyard connect we are here now once again every wednesday 2 p.m eastern on facebook live on youtube live and on twitter and it's great to see so many people here again uh dana fuller is here uh, Mr. Ahmed Khan is here. MJ Farmer. Um, Jodalisa is here. John, uh, of course, StreamYard is here. <laughs> uh, Gerald Latch is here. Groovy is here. 
Jolin is here. Uh, Anita Sonia, good to see you. Andrew Cavanaugh, fantastic uh, at Photoshop and Illustrator. Good to see Andrew here. Jesse Guthrie, fantastic graphic designer. Great to see you. Uh, Rudy, uh, Anita Sonia says, welcome back, Ross. And of course, Anita's in the middle of doing 100 days live with Sonia. Pretty cool, uh, pretty cool, pretty ambitious live streaming program. You should check that out. Uh, I saw uh, Bridget Brown Jackson. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been a little while. And uh, Patricia A. Murray, Will Russell, everybody. I'm not going to get to everybody, but thank you all for being here. It's it's great to be back at it. And uh, I'm so glad that, just so glad that you're all here and that I can continue doing this. I've missed it and I'm excited. So let's get to the news real quick and then we'll get to our our panel. As uh, as I mentioned, a lot of different things going on. First of all, because we've been away for two months, I've got to come back strong with some great guests. So in addition to today's amazing pa- panel, we're going to have from right to left, Christoph Trapp uh, coming up next week has a new book out about how to live stream your podcast. He's going to talk all about how podcasters can use live streaming effectively and in the process of creating their podcast. And then uh, Mr. Shamir is uh, how he goes on social media. He's the founder of Simon Says, which is an AI transcription platform. Now he's got a new product coming out, and it's going to be text-based video editing. So rather than slicing and splicing and moving around video clips, you can move around pieces of text and the video and audio goes with it to put your video together, as I understand it. Well, he'll be on in a couple of weeks. We'll ask him more about it. And then the CEO of Icon, it's an app that lets uh, high-profile people uh, get booked and have a kind of a concierge service for their events. It's also coming out with an Icon Live, so there'll be a live streaming uh, element of it. Their their CEO is Ja Rule. You may know him better as one of the legendary rappers, a guy who sold 30 to 40 million albums, and uh, it's a huge honor. I'm very excited that he's going to be joining us to talk about what he's doing with his app. And we'll also, of course, chat a little bit about the music industry as well. So some exciting shows coming up and uh, just stick with us. We're going to be here for uh, another three weeks after today for this season and hopefully uh, continuing after that. As we mentioned, uh, Hopin and StreamYard now are together as one uh, entity, although StreamYard is functioning much the same as it did with the same team, same leadership, same subscriptions, all that kind of thing. Um, in 2020, really, this is why StreamYard was so attractive to hop in and other companies is StreamYard's broadcasts grew from 350,000 in 2019 to 9 million in 2020. So that's just explosive growth. Okay, some news items. Instagram is launching live rooms. I saw the article in Retail Dive Online. And what this is is basically instead of going live just by yourself or with somebody else, you can open up a room and have up to 
four people total, yourself plus three guests. And there's a lot of different ways people can use this. But the reason that I, I went to retail uh, publication for this is I see it being used a lot. And they talk about this in the article. We, we've talked a lot about the marriage of live streaming and e-commerce. Well, this is going to be a way, let's say you're live streaming and showing off a product. You have customers that come on. They're asking questions. You can now open up a room. And you can demo your product. You can answer answer their questions. And, you know, there's different integration within Instagram for shopping and purchasing. I imagine that will be eventually, if not already, uh, in the works for uh, development for Instagram Live. So uh, just another indication that... Uh, People are looking to monetize live streaming, and it's been a lifetime. It's been a lifeline during the pandemic, uh, and, and now it's not. It's not going to go anywhere because people have seen that uh, they can make connections, they can make sales, they can move products through live streaming, and it's also been a lifeline to the music industry and other industries where uh, people just can't get together in person and it's maintained those relationships between entertainer and fan, business and customer, employer and employee, uh, and colleagues and teachers and students. So uh, this is another reason uh, you're seeing all these different developments going on in the live streaming industry. And we talked about the acquisition of StreamYard by Hopin, Maestro is a live streaming platform that people use to monetize their streams. You could call it white labeling. Basically, you use another tool, like you would use StreamYard, and then Maestro has different tools for monetizing within that. So you'd, you'd, you'd use StreamYard, you'd RTMP, for example, into a platform like Maestro, and then you can also sell uh, within Maestro. Why am I mentioning this? They just raised... $15 million uh, Maestro did. Sony Music was one of the big investors. Also, the uh, founder of Twitch was a uh, major investor in this as well. So we're continuing to see money coming into the live streaming space. Um, another cool use of live streaming is in South Africa, they're using live streaming to protect animals from poachers. It's a dangerous job that the people who go out into the field, they've got to deal with poachers who are very motivated and don't want to have people in their way from doing their job. And, you know, the animals don't necessarily know that they're friendly and there to protect them either. So they've been using live streaming both to let people on their team know where they are and what's going on, but also just to spread the message about trying to end poaching and trying to educate uh, both everyday citizens, but also young people, the next generation, about the importance of the animals and what they mean to that area and why uh, poaching is is really, you know, such a, a an awful practice in, in, in many ways. Uh, and that story is from the BBC. And Samsung was the one who donated phones for this project. They've been supporting it. So it's a pretty cool project. Um, does anybody know what VTubing is? It, I never heard of it before, but I saw a story 
a little while ago uh, when I didn't have the show to come on and talk about it. It's live streaming with anime avatars, and apparently it's pretty big in Japan, and it's on YouTube, and I guess I've just never noticed it. Um, if anybody does it or watches it, I'm interested in what you do, why you do it, what you like about it or don't like about it. Um, I don't know if people have just regular conversations and talk shows like we do, or it's all about um, more doing entertainment stuff and putting together different kinds of cutesy, funny little things that <laughs> you would do. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm asking you guys uh, help me out here because I, I've never actually watched it. Anyway, one, one other thing real quick. If you're going to rage quit when you're streaming a video game, you probably should remember to turn off your live stream. So Snoop Dogg, D-O-double-G, was playing Madden football, and he wasn't happy because his team just got beat again for another touchdown, and he's down, uh, probably about to go down 20-21-0. Uh, and he just starts cursing up a storm. I think he titled the the live stream something like, you know, chill, lay, laid back, relax time or whatever. So anyway, he normally gets a couple thousand views on his live streams when he comes on Twitch and he plays games. Well, he threw down the controller. He cursed, cursed, and, and then, you know, quit the game and walked away. But he didn't shut down his live stream. So people just kept tuning in and watching the empty chair and listening to the music as he was playing all different kinds of music over about seven, seven and a half hours. It ended up getting over 100,000 views of Snoop Dogg's chair and music. So uh, maybe rage quitting and leaving your live stream on is good if you're trying to build up that watch time. I don't know. Um, and take a look for my predictions. They normally come out at the beginning of the year. Uh, we have a great group of people who contributed and a great group of uh, brands that supported it this year, including StreamYard. We did a, a live stream show with uh, over $13,000 worth of giveaways, and it's the sixth annual Livestream Universe predictions. And because I wasn't able to work on it while I was recovering, It'll be coming out in the next day or two, so take a look for that. And a couple of events I want to tell you about because this is where we find great speakers. We have the Quietly Influential Summit coming up uh, March 15th to 19th. Uh, develop your personal brand and business that's in flow with your energy and personality. One of our panelists, Matthew Pollard, is going to be hosting and also giving a keynote. Nancy Ankowitz, another one of our panelists, will be speaking. And uh, I'm honored to be speaking as well. And if you'd like to sign up for it, uh, you can go to LivestreamUniverse.com slash introvert2021. LivestreamUniverse.com introvert2021. It's free to check out the the content during the day or two when it's being broadcast and then uh there's also a replay package available if you would like to do that as well and then also uh we've been a part of podfest global summit for for 
let's see, a couple of PodFest Global Summits and a VidFest Global Summit. This one had both VidFest and uh, PodFest, and it's where I saw uh, Valerie Morris, who's going to be one of our, our panelists, speaking at uh, PodFest Global Summit about how she structures her social media promotion. I spoke there last week on the video side, and it's still going on. They're going to shatter their own Guinness Book of World Records title for most attendees at a one-week virtual podcast event. You can attend for free if you use my code. It's podfestglobal.online. The code is Ross. Uh, it saves you $49, which is basically what the entry-level ticket is, or if you want to buy the replays or upgrade uh, you can do that and save $49 on the other tickets. So that's podfestglobal.online. Use code ROSS. And, of course, if you're not yet using StreamYard, <laughs> it's time to go. People, good things are happening with StreamYard. Livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. Livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. And with that, let's get to our panel. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. Our panelists are amazing. We have Nancy Ankowitz, we have Matthew Pollard, we have Valerie Morris, and I'm going to uh, not go that quickly. I'm actually going to bring them up into the broadcast. There is Nancy Ankowitz. She is the author of Self-Promotion for Introverts. I think that came out before everybody was talking about being introverted <laughs> and extroverted. It's one of the foundational texts in, in people's awareness of uh, introverts and self-promotion, and now we're moving into an area of introverts and social media and being online. Nancy's an adjunct instructor at NYU. She blogs for Psychology Today, and she's a career coach and also a presentation and communication coach. You can find her website at nancyankowitz.com. Nancy, welcome. It's great to have you on StreamYard Connect. Thank you, Ross. It's fantastic to be back. And next, we're going to bring in Matthew Pollard, and he is going to be the host, as I mentioned, of the Quietly Influential Summit and a speaker as well. He's known as the Rapid Growth Guy, and he's got a, a bestseller, The Introvert's Edge to Sales. He's got a new book out called The Introvert's Edge to Networking. You can find his website. It's rich with a lot of content and information and a lot of options for Getting help if you're looking to grow, if you're looking to reach out online and expand the way that you network and the way that you are able to get your brand and business out there, MatthewPollard.com. Matthew, welcome. It's great to have you here. Mate, I'm ecstatic to be here. Thanks for having me on. Awesome to connect with you. Uh, it's actually the first time we've spoken, so looking forward to, uh, to getting your thoughts and learning a little bit about the Introvert's Edge. And then our final panelist, I don't know whether she's really an introvert or not, but she's got the skill set that um, really works for introverts. And that skill set is having a structure when it comes to social media. As I mentioned, her talk at PodFest was fantastic. It's worth the price of the replays alone. Uh, Valerie runs Tintero Creative, 
Her book is We're All Ears, Increase Your Impact. And the name goes on for a while, but I <laughs> increase your impact and influence part. I wanted to make sure I got in there. She's been featured as a guest uh, on Fox in Denver and Colorado Springs. She's a contributor to Social Media Examiner. And again, you can find her online at Tintero Creative. Valerie, welcome. It's great to have you on StreamYard Connect. Thanks for having me, Roz. It's really great yeah. to be here. So let's get started by just kind of going around, around the horn. And I'm going to start with Nancy because, like I mentioned, your book is like one of the foundational texts of the introvert world. When you started writing that book, how much awareness was there of what an introvert is and what they may need that's different than other people in social and work environments because as an introvert myself i didn't have the language to describe why i worked and socialized the way i did when i was growing up what a terrific question or series of questions ross and yes when my book first came out it was there wasn't much awareness when i told people that i'm an introvert they'd say no, you're not. You can be outgoing. Um, yeah, but that's where I get my energy is from my quiet time rather than my constant social energy and so being around lots of people. And back then, uh, well, it's still the Myers-Briggs type indicator was really a weather vane and it helped that personality assessment helped many, many millions and millions of people understand their personality types. So that was foundational. And then, but now with the huge growth of so many popular books in the introvert space, now it's it's more commonly known that mm, introvert doesn't necessarily mean shy. It mm -hmm. means really where you draw your energy. So in the social media space, one of the things to really be mindful of is as an introvert, all of that socializing, whether it's speaking, whether it's writing, can really tap you out. So it's finding that delicate balance of what you need for your business and what you need for your energy and how to take those breaks. Yeah, that's really, really important. And Matthew, I'm assuming coming from writing The Introvert's Edge uh, twice, two different books, one focusing on sales, one focusing on networking, that you're an introvert yourself. And yet when I look you up on social and I look up your website and your podcast and all the different interviews you do and all the different media availabilities that you're uh, engaging in, I, I think, wow. I mean, you're an introvert, but you're out there. How, how are you managing that dichotomy maybe? Or isn't it necessarily something that has to be managed? I don't know. Well, firstly, I am an introvert, yes. Uh, the thing I would say is I don't know why, and it, when, when somebody hears that we're introverted, they assume that we're supposed to be, what, hiding under a bridge, <laughs> hoping never to be noticed. I don't understand why people have that 
perception of, of introversion. The, the truth is introverts aren't second-class citizens. Their path to success is just different. And as Nancy said, as long as you understand your energy, I mean, I love speaking from stage. That doesn't mean I'm not pacing beforehand because I'm terrified of getting on the stage, but try get me off it. So <laughs> for, for me, once I'm in my zone and I'm talking about what I'm passionate about and what I love doing, I can do it for a very long time. But then afterwards, just like a kid at Disneyland, I'm exhausted like I've been on a bunch of rides. So I think the, the most important thing for, for people to really realize is that introverts can be successful at speaking, at networking, at sales, and all of those other so-called extroverted arenas. We just need a system and process that allows us to fill the skills gaps, not disadvantages, but skills gaps that introverts have, and then allows us to leverage our natural strengths. And just for those people that are watching that think that introverts can't sell, Zig Ziglar was an introvert. Jeb Blunt was an introvert. Well, I should say is an introvert. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, is an introvert. Bill Murray, that famous guy that we all see on the Groundhog Day, I mean, he was an introvert. What excuse do you have when people right, like right. Oprah Winfrey, another introvert, can, can do small talk? The truth is you just got to find a system that works for you. And as soon as you do that, you don't have a disability. You have an amazing edge. Hmm. Well, we're going to come back to that because I want to get into what that, that edge is. But first, I, I want to ask Valerie because she, like I said, is so good at social media and has checklists and templates and all the different things <laughs> to make sure that she hits the right points for herself and promoting her podcast and her work, but also for her clients. And I was wondering how perhaps your clients react to having a structure. Does it relieve some of the stress on being on social if they were more likely to just pick up their phone and, okay, I'm going to do this for two hours or I'm going to do it for 15 minutes and respond. And now I'm on three hours later and, you know, I didn't get to bill anybody today or what have you. So how does that work for people who come to you to learn really how to manage the, their promotion and their, their social outreach? Well, you know, I think the most important thing about having systems is it's really helpful whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Because the way I approach things is, you know, with a content calendar and with kind of a basic framework of when we're posting, how often we're talking about certain things, that becomes the foundational content to a social media strategy. And then you can be as extroverted or introverted as you want, kind of as the cherry on top. Right. So, um, you know, you might be involved in a clubhouse talk every day of the week or maybe once a week or once a month. But if you've got your foundational stuff going out on LinkedIn and Facebook and on your blog and on your podcast, you can kind of dive in as much as you as you want on these other things that require more of the real time live engagement. And I think that takes the pressure off people, especially when you're coming at it from a business and, you know, branding perspective that you know that, OK, if I've got a crazy week or if I'm just dealing with a lot in my personal life and I just mentally cannot be there to jump into a lot of comments or live streams, it's OK. You can kind of know that the, the foundation is there. Um it just takes the pressure off. And I think, like I said, it, it's relevant for introverts or for extroverts, but I think us introverts um, can kind of appreciate that a lot, a little bit more. So when you say us introverts, now you're saying you are. Oh, she's added herself now. <laughs> well, you know, I say, I say that, but okay. So before, before we came on last week, Ross and I were talking and um, 
you know, he was asking me, are you an introvert or an extrovert? And I'm like, I honestly, I don't even really know. So I took a test, you know, just some online test this morning just to see <laughs> what it said. And it came back as an ambivert. So um, I think I definitely kind of straddle that line of really getting my energy from being alone versus also being around other people. I think one of the things though that I've learned is I like small groups of people. Um, the large groups kind of overwhelm me. I, right. I, I really do better when there's smaller groups or one-on-one. -on -one. Right. Now, uh, let's reverse the order this time because you mentioned the foundational yeah. social media posts and, and outreach. What is the foundational post? What's, what's the least you need to be doing and what can you say, okay, this would be nice if I did it, but it's okay if I don't have time or I don't have the energy or I don't want to get sucked into spending hours on social sure. media. W what is the must do and the foundation, the foundational content? And then what is the sort of nice to have, but don't feel like you have to do it content? You know, gosh, that's a loaded question because it really can be different for everyone <laughs> and their personality. Course, like every consultant would say, it depends, right? right. On what your business is and all. Yeah. Well, you know, okay. First of all, I think it's important to realize what's foundational for you is going to be, you know, where your audience is. Mm -hmm. You know, if if your audience is hanging out on LinkedIn and you can get by with having some foundational posts be scheduled or pre-recorded video that you are putting out. Uh, on your personal profile or on your business page, that might be a good foundational start. If your audience is over on Instagram and they really require, you know, a couple of stories or some, some live video over on Instagram, you might need to block out that time and protect it so that you can do that live video one or two times a week or, or what, whatever the case may be. The important thing I think is if, your content, if your foundational content requires you to do something real time, it makes having a content calendar that much more important. And by that, I mean, you know, we talked about this a little bit on PodFest's uh, talk. I like to just use a simple Google sheet, a spreadsheet format, and I have different columns to indicate what the topic is, um, different talking points. And so then when you go to do a live stream, you, you know what you're going to talk about, you know who you're going to bring in as a guest, or you, if you're it just you, you kind of have it thought through already. And, but, and by doing so, you can be strategic about, okay, I'm going to talk about topic A once a month on the first week of the month, and then topic B is the second week. And so that way you're covering a lot of your basis, bases on a regular basis. <laughs> um, you know, you, you're not necessarily talking about one topic for eight weeks in a row and then never touching on it again throughout the year. You can kind of rotate through things and have some patterns to it. So honestly, if you're looking for one answer, I'd say go back to a content calendar and figure out what you're talking about and when, and then figuring out what channel and how can really be tailored to you know where your audience really is. Matthew, you talked about having some systems that make it work for you. Can you talk about a, a, like a little overview of what's some things that you do uh, for yourself or for your clients that make it easier for them to manage their social engagement and still get their work done? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the and rest I, I of their work done. Of course, this is how we market today. But 
it can't be all marketing because you got to make the product work or you got to meet with people who are potential buyers. You know, there's a lot of other things you have to do besides promote. And but it's a, it's a necessity. So, well, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things that I struggle with when people think about social media and being online is they feel like they have to blog every week. They feel like they have to put up a podcast, like a daily podcast now. And what I realized is, you know, my backstory is I was responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories. But in truth, they were bricks and mortar, tally marketing, direct sales. I mean, I knew nothing about online. I was terrified of it. The one thing I did know, though, is I was not going to be that person taking a photo of my donut on Instagram. So I had something to say. So what I focused on is strategy first. And the first thing I realized is the reason why everyone's helping people be louder is because if you can't be the clearest, if your strategy is not right, you have to be the loudest. So what I realized is if I could have a strong message, if I knew my niche, which is introverted service provider businesses, and if I had strong stories that resonated, I actually didn't need to do as much. But then I also looked at how can I re- how can I reuse the content that I'm creating? So for instance, this show, because I'm, I'm doing this and I'm delivering content, I mean, this can be clipped up and turned into media later. I, you know, every time I speak from stage when I was first starting anyway, we recorded everything. We grabbed little one minute, two minute, three minute sound bites. We'd share it on social media. Now we used a, a project management tool called monday.com so that literally somebody on my team would watch the video. And initially I watched the video and we clipped it up into little segments. I'd look for quotes, but this is what drives me insane. When people have got to post all the time, they end up taking a photo of their dog for something to say. That's not going to help you get clients. So the right. thing that I focus on is I say, okay, what do I help? introverted service providers with. I help them differentiate, I help them niche, I help them create a sales system. So every piece of content that I post, whether it be video, whether it be audio, even if it's a quote from somebody else, it's relevant to that niche for this specific outcome. So it's motivating them that they can network because if they know their niche, it's easier or that they can create a sales system. It might even be something from Michael Jordan, another introvert, by the way, talking about how he practiced and planned. And I'll relate that to how I spent eight hours every day teaching myself how to sell on YouTube. So the thing that I always focus on is strategy first. What is the marketplace we're trying to get to? And again, don't bend yourself to a marketplace because introverts, we're not going to feel congruent and comfortable with that. So it's got to be something you're truly passionate about and be on a mission to do something to transform the world in some way. And then say, what are the three major problems that my niche has? Identify those and then use your content to speak to those three problems and to motivate and inspire action, whether it's with you or anyone else, to start to fix their problems that they have. As soon as you do that, Content becomes easy to think about. You can create a content calendar or a content tree of what you're going to share. And I mean, I literally sat down for three days and I planned out literally the next six months worth of content by looking at quotes that I resonated with, of videos that we had. And that was all that was required. I then forgot all about it, got someone on my team to post it all and went back to work. That's how I managed to write this book. I mean, you think it would have got written if I was on social media 24-7? Not a hope. Now, how about the engagement side of it? Do you make time every day or once a week or, you know, five times a day? How often do you go on Twitter and go on Instagram and other sites and see what people are either posting in response to your posts or people that you may want to network with or your friends with? How much time do you spend following what they do? Well, it depends very much on initiatives. So for instance, in a couple of weeks, you were talking about the Quiet and Influential Summit that uh, you're speaking on, and thanks for coming right. on for that. So you were talking about uh, 
when I talk about National Introverts Week and that specific summit, of course, I'm going to be on more frequently. I'll also do more lives and I plan, like I don't do live streams except for my private membership group. And then I grab those videos and clip them up. But when there are initiatives, then I'll get on and I'll do lives to invite people to those. So a lot of the times, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm planning out my content that way. So the focal point for, for me is making sure that I, I have a strategy that I, I'm, I'm more involved during those periods. But the rest of the time, I, I do plan twice a day. I go in and I comment, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'll find, and by the way, this is my introvert dis, uh, detail, like relax time. So for instance, right after this, I'm literally, my hoodie's behind this wall. I'm literally <laughs> going to put on my hoodie and I will sit there and I'll probably disengage watching TV for about 15 minutes. And then I'll feel like doing something a little bit more important. So I'll pick up my phone and I'll literally chill, wasting another 15, 20 minutes responding to people on social media. So if you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, by the way, that's where I'm going to go first. So connect with right. me there. If you're enjoying this content, share, and you'll probably find you're the first people I'm responding to. Now, if you don't do it straight away, if you do it in an hour or two, you're not going to hear from me until 4.30 this afternoon. And then I'll hop back on because I always do one final loop out at the end of the day. So for right. me, it's always just after lunch or just after a podcast if I've got one just before lunch and then at 4.30. Now, if I'm doing a promotion, I'll do it every couple of hours. But funnily enough, I have to control myself after a promotion and literally tell myself, no, go back to twice a day because it can consume you. And that is the mm -hmm. last thing that you want. By the way, don't just respond with, oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you thought so much of my work. <laughs> Give them a resource that they can then move to the next step with. Now, that doesn't mean you have to charge them for it. That's, don't get straight into sales pitching, right? Doing this content is about fostering a relationship. But then once you've done that, you want to give them something relevant in their world that they can consume. It could be the first chapter of your book. It could be a video to help them think more strategically about how they plan their social content. Give them something that allows them to foster a further connection with you, a further dialogue with you, right? Otherwise, it can be a waste of time. Now, sure, thanking people and just fostering that relationship is great, but if you get them to take the next step, then it doesn't make the live stream pointless because let's face it, we all get distracted. So they've just given you an hour of their time and you've just spent an hour of your time helping them, motivating them to take action. Give them something in which to do that with. That's really valuable advice. Nancy, what I want to talk to you about now is you you do a lot of career coaching. Yes. And so I know you work with a lot of younger people, a lot of students who may spend a lot of time on social media posting on Snapchat and instant messaging each other and and you know sharing Instagram photos on an account that's behind, you know, that's behind a privacy setting. Um, but a lot of students, I, I, I was surprised to learn, really haven't developed a professional presence yes. on their social media, even though they spend so much time uh, on these tools. So that's that's kind of one one type of client or or person that you might deal with. Another could be somebody who's late in their career and never thought about having to build a personal brand. And now they find themselves maybe laid off or they've retired. They want to get back to work. And now how do they get known in a world where everybody's online? So whether it's a student, I'm sure there's commonalities and there's difference, but whether it's a student who really hasn't established themselves yet and is spending an inordinate amount of time on things that don't advance 
their career or have potential to do it, <laughs> or somebody sure. who thought that they were going that they were further enough along, far enough along in their career that they might never have to build an online personal brand. Where do you start? Because obviously for introverts, but for anybody, introvert, extrovert, ambivert, um, <laughs> it can be overwhelming when you first approach social media. Such good points, Cross. Yeah, it can be. And I encounter that a lot, whether I'm dealing with my graduate students at NYU and other universities that I work with, or even up to the CEO levels. I really have quite a diverse group of clients. And sometimes in some cases, they're already they they reached their a lot of success before before they had to do that on social media. In fact, I have some clients that aren't even on social media, if you can believe it or not. But but um, it's where do you start? You start with how do you want to be known? And it seems so obvious, but a lot of people have long, long, long taglines. And it's like people can't get their head around it. So how do you want to be known? What is your simple, simple title? And on top of that, what's a photo that best depicts you? And it's a solo photo, not family members. You know, if, if it's like LinkedIn, you want to have a really professional, beautifully lit photo. And that's so important. And these are basic things, but we often forget. And then there's the bio. How do you want, again, if people, if you reel people in with that photo and that bio and even that background, a nice background on LinkedIn, then what are the what's the few sentences or bullets or paragraph or two that really describe what you've got that they may need? Right. So so you're getting the essentials out there, Nancy. Yeah. And, yeah, and and we often forget those essentials. And that can go I mean, this is my theory and uh, I'll get your reaction and I'll I'll get Matthew and, and Valerie's reaction to this that uh, People are leaving a lot of opportunity on the table by not doing those kind of things, having a professional photo, having their bios filled out, having a link on Twitter that that, you know, is active and goes to something current that you'd like people to see. You know, I, I call it the portfolio method where you're yes. not you're not going after likes and conversations. You're you know that the first thing a potential client is going to do is go to Google you. And then what's going to come up are your Twitter and your LinkedIn and your YouTube channel. So just having content on there and having your profiles filled out to where they get a sense of who you are and what you do. I, I mean, I think that can be for people who don't have the time to be on social media. That's like 80 percent of the game, right? It then is. you can contribute other in other ways if you want to. But uh, go, go ahead. I I. I it's just such a, a powerful thing that I think people who don't like social media or don't want to spend time or don't have time don't have to feel like they have to spend hours every week, but no. optimize what you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is one place, and this speaks to being an introvert. Many of us are perfectionists. Uh, in some ways, being a perfectionist is a good thing here. You want to spend the time to make it pitch perfect. You want every word to count and you want your image to be exactly the way you want it to look to other people that will appeal to your audiences. So I'm not saying spend endless months doing it, but make it beautiful the first time. 
and and also don't be alone with it. And what I what I mean by that is even if you're an introvert and you prefer your time alone and you like one-on-one interactions and prefer that to big groups and all that, you do need your peanut gallery or your kitchen cabinet or your your inner fan club. You need some second pair of eyes to help you guide you, whether it's a professional coach or just a good friend or a spouse or just a trusted advisor, a mentor, somebody is a second pair of eyes to step into the shoes of your target audience and say, "Mm mm-hmm, this'll work. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew, um, obviously I love doing live streams and having these kind of conversations, but I'm, I'm always passing on Clubhouse, right? I, I see the notifications and I don't think I've jumped into an actual conversation since December. Uh, What do you think about Clubhouse? I just feel like once you start going down that road, there's no getting off of it. And uh, have you played around with it? Have you have you hosted rooms or have you been a part of rooms? What what do you think? Because people are raving about this app like it's a life changer. It's a business changer. They're spending hours every day in it. They're they're growing their following. They're hosting rooms. What what do you make of Clubhouse and what is your advice, I guess, or your experience been in, in terms of where it fits in into your overall day and productivity and all those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think this always comes down to strategy first. See, what I find is people are always looking for that fun new tactic that's going to be the silver bullet to success. And what that means is that as soon as something happens, everyone's jumping on. But of course, by the time some people jump on, it's too late anyway. But what happens is they work hard and they're doing this new tactic. But because the strategy is wrong, eventually everybody's on it. And then they've got the same, they've got their vanilla message getting lost among the rest. So they get short-term success, but then they lose that momentum pretty quickly. So again, yes, all of these platforms make perfect sense, but you have to look at what the strategy behind it is. If you, again, have your message right, your stories right, then when you start hosting these rooms, then you can create a success out of it. And again, a lot of these successes, of course, especially in platforms like Clubhouse, stop making it about you. Like on LinkedIn, if you write a profile and it's all about I, 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 no one's going to want to work with you or care about you. Now, when I write a LinkedIn profile or anything that I do, it's all about the people that I mean to serve, what I'm passionate about and why I'm trying to help those people. And then, you know, I'll, if I'm going to do a clubhouse and I'm going to be seeing people, it's about bringing those people into other platforms. For instance, before this live stream today, I connected with Valerie because I hadn't heard of her before and I connected with her and maybe she read my profile, maybe she didn't. If there were 10 people on this that hadn't heard of me, then maybe one or two of them would and then before I can start to foster relationships. So Clubhouse is a platform that allows you to foster relationships. If all you do is speak on that platform and you don't migrate them to other places where you share great content, it's a lost opportunity. Same as I saw one of the comments say, if you don't comment on the post that people are, are corresponding with you in, that's a lost opportunity. So for me, firstly, I mean, I've been on a few clubhouses. I've been invited to to be one of the, the moderator speakers, if you like, on a few clubhouses. And I have 
explored the platforms. The things I will tell you very similar to these live streams is they are time intensive and therefore I do them less and less. And the other thing I will say is at least this live stream, I can grab the video of it and start sharing it in other places. So I can reappropriate the video and therefore it has a higher significance and a higher value for me. That said, there is benefit to being on Clubhouse, but because of the time significance, I mean, it helps that we don't have to be on video, right? I find audio <laughs> takes far less energy than feeling like I've got to do these things with my hands and move around and be engaging. So Clubhouse does have those advantages, but because it requires me to physically be there, I'm doing them few and far between. That's not to say it won't work for you, but again, make sure the strategy is behind it, that you're not just being involved because you're involved in the hype, because eventually that hype will dissipate and you'll just be stuck with another job. Right, exactly. Um, Valerie, I know that you're a big believer in the content calendar and brought a smile to your face when, Matt, you talked about six months ahead. Yes. Now, <laughs> going live every week, um, I'm not able to know what's going to happen in these conversations. I'm not able to cut up my, my video clips or um, promote something that already happened in the replays. How, how can somebody who live streams or does a podcast that's not an evergreen style podcast, but more focused on news and what's, what's going on in their industry, how can they still take advantage of some structure to ensure that they're not getting overwhelmed by the constant new work that needs to be <laughs> put out there into the universe? Yeah. That's a that's a hard one because yeah you're you're dependent on what is going on in the world. I think one of the important things though is you know thinking about the back end then. If if your initial content may be the live stream that is dependent on researching and making sure you're you know sharing some of the latest and greatest stuff, then maybe it's okay, then I've got my team takes that live stream and you know converts that into a file that we can share on a, uh, maybe it's living on YouTube already, or maybe it's we're taking it and putting it in other platforms as far as video goes. Then we're taking, okay, are there sound bites that came out of the interview? So out of today's, it, today's video, are there sound bites and tips that could be pulled that we reshare later on that are evergreen little nuggets to know what to do with? Are we taking that live stream and saying, okay, within 24 hours, there's an email broadcast that goes out that links over and mentions some of those resources that we shared. You know, it does require some of the more real-time work, but if you have the structure to know, we're going to take that live stream, we're gonna then turn it into an email broadcast, we're gonna then turn it into, you know, 10 different tweets or five different tweets that are gonna go out over the next week before the next show. Um, we're gonna take that and repurpose it for a um, recorded video that we're gonna post to, uh, Ross's profile on LinkedIn, you know, you have the, the actions, the checklist of these are the different tasks that happen after a live video. That's going to help you, uh, to kind of leverage some of these kind of things. And that's more of a system and process, um, versus necessarily automating it. Um, so, you know, think through some of those things that maybe could be done on the back end of right. a live broadcast. The other thing is, you know, see if there's ways that you can streamline the curation of the content you put in the live broadcast. So are you using things like Google alerts or are you using certain um, search capabilities with hashtags to figure out 
you know, make it easier to collect the information you want to talk about in your live show. Um, see if you can curate it in a more systematic way. Yeah. Um, Nancy, I want to ask you, you mentioned bios and then I'll get everybody else's thought because it's a huge piece of LinkedIn and it's important on yeah. other social platforms where you're limited by characters and space and the culture of the platform. But let, let's start with you. I want to ask Nancy about sort of the long form professional bio, what you're going to put on your about section on LinkedIn. What is the right mix? Do you have a certain formula where either it's explaining what you do, why you do it, who you, who it's for? Maybe it's listing your awards and honors or, you know, maybe it's telling a little bit about yourself personally. Do you write it in the first person? Do you write it in the third person? Tell us a little bit about some of the, you know, key points of putting a good professional bio together. Here's the skinny on bios. It all and echoing a little bit of what all of you have said, Valerie, Matthew, Ross, there's always some customization involved right. and it depends. <laughs> so here goes. It always starts with your audience first. Period full stop. I can almost finish talking. So what do they what do they want that you have? Again, period full stop. And then make a list. Come up with some keywords. Let's say five keywords, 10 keywords max. And when I work with my clients, we do that. And in an exercise where we roll up our sleeves, it takes one hour to come up with a fantastic bio that's targeting our audience. And you just, it almost writes itself when you have those keywords. So yeah. it's all about them. So all those, whatever you have awards and books and articles and podcasts and all that stuff, it's, it's fine as long as they care. If they don't care, <laughs> so, who said kill your darlings? Right. It's make it audience centric. And as an introvert, you can do that particularly well because you tend to have the patience, the focus, and the, the attention to detail to do that research and zone hone in on that audience. Matthew, give me a platform other than LinkedIn. Uh, what do you recommend? Pick one and just talk a little bit about what you recommend. Usually they're more space limited, uh, either because the, the, the website limits it or because the culture isn't going to have people reading long, long form bios. So talk about pick, pick a social media site that you think it's important to have a good profile slash bio on. So it's important to have a good profile slash bio on all platforms. Right. And I think one of the things that most people get wrong is they say, oh, you know, I only got a small amount of time. So because of that, I'm just going to focus on this platform. Sure, have a focus on one platform. Mm -hmm. But you have to realize that when you have a content plan, it's just as easy to post on one as it is to post on five. So why not post on five? Yes, have your primary focus, but then make sure that you're also sharing into other, you know, all the other mediums or any medium possible. I mean, when TikTok opened, we, we could have gone, oh, no, I don't know if TikTok's going to happen. Instead, we went, well, you know, we post to Instagram through a manual app. We'll post onto TikTok in a manual app. But right. here's the thing that I really want people to resonate with, which is everybody is so scared to disqualify out people. And what I will tell you is that if you don't say, hey, this profile is not for you, you're not going to get the people that you truly want to work with. So for me, I say right up front, 
that if you are an introverted service provider, this is I am passionate about you, right? That is what I want people to know about me. Now, by the way, if you're an extrovert, I don't. It's not that I don't have extroverted clients, but if I say, "Hey, I'm happy to work with anyone. I'm a jack of all trades." By the way, that means master of none. You know, I work with everybody. You know, speaking to everyone is speaking to no one. So unless you got the budget of Coca Cola, good luck. It's not going to work out well for you. So <laughs> what I always highlight is that what you want to do is say, "Hey, if you're my people." Here is my people. If you're my people, I want this. This profile is for you. This is the content I'm going to share. Come here. Let me give you a big hug. You don't need to say, hey, if you're that group, I'm not here for you. But what will happen is anyone that looks at my profile, they see a photo of me on TV and it says right underneath the introvert's edge. So clearly, if you're an extrovert, you might go, you know what? I'm not going to connect with that guy. Now, if you go onto my profile, it starts talking about service providers. Now, sure, I've got billion-dollar tech companies that are clients, but they find me because they've heard of my work. And sure, I'm not going to say, hey, no, I'm not going to work with you. But what I'm highlighting is that I specialize in introverted service providers. So when introverted service providers come to my profile, whichever platform it is, it's like, oh, I'm going to check out this content because it's for me. And that's the biggest thing. So it doesn't really matter what your bio says as long as it says, hey, if if you're this niche, I want you to let I want to let you know this content's for you and everything I share is going to be about you. Not about me, but about you, your concerns, your problems. And let me show you how to get A, B, or C outcome. Right. So I help introverted service providers obtain rapid growth. So I'm going to mention that in my profile. And if I get more room, which you know, LinkedIn gives you a ton more room, I'm going right. to talk about the specific problems and the specific outcomes. But in a short process, I'm going to be very specific about who my people are. That's great. Valerie, um, to put a wrap on this, I want to ask you about a couple of tools that you use for scheduling and social media management, and maybe one or two metrics that you advise your clients who aren't going to be spending a ton of time on social, but want to know something about, are, is what they're doing effective, right? How, how, how do you judge that in terms yeah. of social media, digital marketing metrics? Sure. Okay. So as far as scheduling tools goes, I love Agora Pulse. I jumped on there about a year and a half ago and it has been a game changer for me. And, and also just not just for me as you know, my personal brand and for my agency's brand, but for my clients, right. um, it's, it's really been a tool that we could as a small group work with, but also we could scale with. So I love that. I also, um, another thing that it's not necessarily for social media posting, but just, I think it's something that anyone could use is I, I really was so grateful when Google released, uh, the scheduling feature in Gmail. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I can schedule emails to go out really anytime here in the near future. And I will use that for, you know, like if it's a holiday or a weekend and I might be catching up on work. I can schedule emails to go out and my clients, they don't have to know that I was working on the weekend. They don't have to know that I was, uh, you know, working on a, on an off time. And so I can really protect my time that way. And I can choose when I am going to be communicating with people and, and set boundaries with people to know that you communicate with me or you can expect to hear from me during main office hours. So that's one way that I can kind of protect my time and, and use, use that tool to really keep my inbox under control a little bit. Um, you know, and then as far as metrics go, one of my favorite things, you know, a lot of the platforms will give you in information about reach 
and impressions. And those are a really good kind of just general metric to look at compared to saying, okay, my profile increased by this many followers each week or each month. Um, I love to look at reach and impressions. But one of the other things that I also like to look at is my website traffic or my email subscribers. Um, and those are areas where I might be using social media to point people. Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes to some of what Matt said of just, you know, having that strategy behind what you're posting about and what you're talking about. I love looking at, you know, that website traffic, because if I am doing my job with my social media content, I am going to be pushing people to more of my blog posts, more of my podcast episodes, pushing them to sign up for my email newsletter where they're going to get more deeper value as far as content goes. And so if those numbers are increasing on a regular basis, you know, it's almost okay to me if my LinkedIn post only got a couple people liking it instead of going viral with, you know, <laughs> hundreds of people liking a post. But if I got a surge of website traffic as a result of that post, I'm okay with that. Wow. Well, this has been a, a fabulous discussion. Thank you, Valerie, Matthew, and, and Nancy. I've really enjoyed this. And it's such a rich topic. And I think it's something that everybody, introvert and extrovert, really has to deal with how they approach and manage their time with social media. And if you enjoyed this conversation and you are an introvert or just somebody who wants to understand another way to approach uh, self-promotion and being out there and being on social media and socializing in person, even when, I don't know, someday we end up doing that again. You should check out the Quietly Influential Summit. Nancy's going to be a speaker. I'm going to be a speaker. And uh, Matthew's actually going to be the host and a speaker. And you can check it out, livestreamuniverse.com slash introvert2021 livestreamuniverse.com slash introvert2021. All three of our guests and panelists are authors. There's links in the description on YouTube and on Facebook. You can check out their books, their websites, and uh, other links that are relevant to their businesses. So do that. Connect with these folks. They're terrific. Thank you again, Nancy, Matthew, and, and Valerie. It's phenomenal having you on. Thanks, Ross. Thanks so much, Ross. Thank you. And a delight. Thanks, Nancy. Wow, that was good. That was good. Um, hey, it's great to see so many friends uh, dropping in along the way. I, I haven't been here for a couple of months, and it's great to see uh, Pamela's here. I see Stefan, uh, Sue Ann, Rose. Um, so many people. Brigetti was here. I don't know if she's still here, but it's great to see you. Uh, Dr. Tachi, Tim Sohn, so many uh, good friends dropping in and people who are active on social media and particularly live streaming themselves. So thank you all for being here. We've got a great lineup coming up the next three weeks, uh, capping it with Ja Rule on the season finale on March 24th. Meanwhile, uh, we have a lot of content here on StreamYard. Uh, the StreamYard official programming schedule and lineup is just growing like crazy. Let's check this out. Look at all these shows we've got now. So I'm going to tell you the next one up. And then hopefully from that one, they'll tell you the one coming up after that. Because this has gotten long. But tomorrow night, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, it's StreamYard Spotlight. 
with Dana Bentz and Kelsey Bentz. It's a terrific show where they interview you, members of the StreamYard community, about how you're using the platform, what kind of live streams you're doing, what kind of successes you're having using StreamYard. And also, Dana and Jorge will be hosting Coffee with the Ducks. It's every other Friday, and I believe this is the Friday it takes place. That's at 11.30 a.m., 12 p.m. Eastern. Of course, Christian uh, and Julie go live with Learn with StreamYard. Saturday, Christian does reviews uh, for of your live streams at noon Eastern. And then, of course, uh, the flagship on Sunday nights, it's the town hall with the co-founders Gage and Dan, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, the StreamYard Town Hall. All these shows you can find either on the YouTube channel or on the StreamYard Facebook page or in the StreamYard group. Uh, screenshot the lineup because it's uh, it's growing and there's just so much good content out there now that you can check out. And also, that's not all. We have StreamYard creators who... Uh, a great group of YouTubers who create content for StreamYard, both on their own channels and on the StreamYard YouTube channel. Nick and Dean Nimmin, you know them from Nimmin Live, Roberto Blake, Daniel Battelle, and Think Media with Sean Cannell. So thank you all for being here. Uh, we will see you back next week, 2 p.m. Eastern.